How are you? This is Ned Hamill from Kilmockridge, County Wexford. This is a very little workshop. Yeah, yeah, no, she's great. And does she stay out at night time? Oh, no, no, no. Now, I'd start off. Um, and this is Tom McDonough, late of Castlebar, County Mayo. My mother uh, was Margaret Mary Flanagan. She lived in Kermars. Tom was an engineer and Ned was a farmer. Tom was born in 1904 and Ned in 1925. One thing they had in common, their place of birth. Tom was born in Philadelphia, USA. I was born in Rittenhouse Street. And Ned was born in Boston. And I remember probation, because how I remember it was, my father used to make the wine down the cellar. They both emigrated when they were children, back to Ireland, against the flow. And your, fa- your father is in a, a flat cap and he has a, a jacket and a big belt, but he has a, a kind of a round neck T-shirt on underneath. He doesn't have a, a shirt on at all. Well, I don't ever remember seeing him dressed like that, like, you know. Do you not? No. What did he work at? He was chauffeur. Was he? Yeah. He was working for this uh, woman that owned a newspaper, or her husband owned a newspaper in Chicago, uh, Mrs. McGinley. They owned an awful lot of land from one road to the other road, which is about three miles my father worked in the Bellevue Stratford Hotel in Philadelphia. He was the head barman there. Uh, if a black man came, you had to have a servant. But as soon as he had his drink finished, you smashed the glass in front of his face. Yeah. It's terrible, isn't it? Wasn't it? Yes. And were you living in the big house? No, we had our own house. She had two houses on the property. Uh, we were, could be 200 yards from the big house. Oh, massive big house. And did they have kids in the big house? Yes. And did you play with them? No, but they were older than me. They were going to school. But my father used to have to take them to the college and everything like that. And my brother was, he was older than me and he was on the, he was the ice hockey team. And uh, he got his nose broken with the puck. They called it a puck for the ice. (laughs) Went off the ice and hit him in the nose. And did you ever play ice hockey? No, I was only seven, like, you know. I remember skiing already over there. They had, on the, the property there that was behind us, they had little ski jumps and things like that, you know. And you got to have a go on them, did you? Yeah, I had a go on them. Yeah, I went over the jumps. Small jumps, only three or four foot. I was at school in Philadelphia, and uh, I, my first class was uh, run by this nun, and she had a crowd of children in the class. I, I, there were so many in the class that I didn't know what was going on, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, she brought me up to the board. She was doing uh, tots, you know, big long tots. Mm. And she asked me to do a tot, and I hadn't a clue. <laughs> so, um, Sister Amadeus was her name. Amadeus, yeah. As for the lover of God, I suppose. Anyway, I was changed up then to a lady teacher. And had you been mortified by the nun, did you think? Or oh, did I did. It, did it go oh, hard on you, yeah? Oh, I did, yes. Like, did she punish you or was it just the uh, shame? She didn't, it? the shame for us, yes. And, but anyway, I went up to this lady and she was very kind, you know, and 
all the children that came up with me to our class, they were pointing to me that this was a bit of an imbecile. Mm. I, I remember saying, oh no, he'll be all right. So anyway, I won prizes in her afterwards and I got on all right. And for the rest of his life, Tom remembered that this teacher wore 4711 perfume and a coat dress. A green, I think, with a green dress. When I remember going to school, it was a big school with a corridor in the middle and rooms on both sides. Yeah. And if anyone was being disciplined, see, you go down to the principal. Yeah. Yeah. No, the no, no, you had to go down. The principal had a room to herself. And you might be put in a corner with your face to the wall or something like that. That's what I remember about it. And what, were the clothes different when, that you wore when you were over there? To... Oh, the clothes were different when they were warmer clothes. And of course the house. The house was heated with a furnace. The furnace was about four foot wide. I remember the Queen up here had one and it's it's really like that. And heat the hot water and the house was boiling hot like of course the coal was cheap. My father his uncle died uh, and he had a public house or a tavern they called it over there. And he had no family. So his money was uh, distributed to all the nieces and nephews. And my father bought the tavern or public house. It was in a black area in the town in Philadelphia. But uh, my father made a lot of money there, all right, and used to bring us to Atlantic City for the holidays. There's a picture of Tom as a child outside a boarding house in Atlantic City. It's a group shot of about 40 people all staying there. Some of the men are in boaters. The women have long skirts, blouses with leg mutton sleeves and broad-brimmed hats. The girls have frilly dresses and some of the boys are in sailor suits. Tom is down the front with a puss on him. Well, uh, I wanted to sit beside him. <laughs> nice little girl. And <coughs> some six or seven, uh, about that, and uh, it was not funny how the you get notions. Uh, the, but uh, anyway, uh, I had to sit beside this uh, other girl, which uh, didn't please me at all. And I also remember the um, prohibition. Yeah. I do, because how I remember was my father used to make the wine down the cellar. Every house had a cellar over there. And that means there were a lot of people coming into the house. And I mean, barrels of wine and coils of this copper for the distilling or whatever they were doing with it. And he claimed lads had never drank. We was mad to drink now because they couldn't get it. Right. And that's the funny part of it, like. Lads that drink anything, you know, they drink stuff they shouldn't drink. It's unbelievable. But he could, he could have gotten into fierce trouble. He could, was... he could get into fierce trouble. But that's the way he worked. And see, you were dealing with friends. And of course, you you weren't selling it. No, you lads come in for a drink and that's it. And when the drink was there, lots of lads come in. 
kind of car did he drive for them? Oh, he, she had five cars. <laughs> she had a garage as big as any uh, the Ford Motor Company in Wexford or something like that. Never thing like it. Big, do, you, do you remember them? I do. Oh, yes, yeah. One was a, uh, a Packard. Uh, all big cars, no small cars, because they were driving the kids to school and driving her wherever she wants to go. And she, she was kind of a probably an uppity person, like uh, all in the opera and all that. And my father said he, he drove John McCormick one time, and she was in the car with him. It was often in the big house at Christmas, like, you know. What was that like? Oh, she had a lovely house, yeah. And did he resent their wealth, or how did he think Not about it? Not at all. No, 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 no. I tell you, they even... Mrs. McGinley died, and the, some of the family, Gertrude McGinley and uh, the husband, come over here to see my father 30 years after that. Because mm. they remembered him? Yeah. What, yeah. Ki- what kind of a man was your dad? My father thought, as I always said, every day was Christmas Day with him, like, you know. I don't remember him too well. He was, uh, he didn't get on well with me, I, for what reason or not, I don't know. But uh, I, I never had any dealings with him. He was, I, th- I think he, he used to drink a lot and, you know, he didn't, uh, probably didn't uh, look after the niceties of life uh, as he should. He was a bit rough, was he? Uh, it wasn't too rough anyway, but he, he, he gave out to me anyway. And I was quiet, you know, mm. I think I was anyway. Yeah. He died rather young. He was about only 40 years old when he died. Yes. And do you remember the day he died? Uh, I do, yes. I remember the day he died. He was um, laid out in the... where, where we were living on Broad Street. He was laid out there. And um, I remember going up and looking at him. And <laughs> I put my finger in... Face there, and uh, it was uh, kind of uh, stiff. You know. <laughs> mm. And did you feel lost at all, or was it? I didn't feel anything at all. No, that's mm. not enough pity. Yes, for him as much as for you. I suppose so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like he was, uh, he used to drink a lot, and uh, I, I suppose he wasn't accountable so much. You're listening to Flux with Ronan Kelly. In this programme, two men who were born in America in the early years of the last century, Tom and Ned, both immigrated to Ireland when they were still children. And actually, in both cases, the decision to move fell to their mothers. When Tom was nine in 1913, his father's death led to a change in his world. In Ned's case, when he was a child in the early 1930s, what he could see from his house told him that his world was about to change also. And I remember looking out the window, it was on Blue Avenue in Milton, a suburb of Boston, and there was a man every ten foot on the far side of the road with a pick and shovel, laying a pipe, you know, about a hundred of them. And the soup kitchen come along and give them the grub and there was no... No social welfare there at that time. 
That's what happened. What age were you then? Uh, I was going about. We left. I left there about when I was seven years of age. And do you remember leaving? I do. Why did you leave? I tell you why we left. I found out afterwards. What happened that time during the depression? My folks told me. Somebody went to the bank someplace in America, withdrawn all the money and couldn't get it. They had no money. And then the word got around and there was a run in the bank. They had to shut the doors. And they got 10 cents on the door. Everybody. My mother seen all this going on though. And she, my father thought, as I always said, every day was Christmas Day with him, like, you know. And my mother had a few pounds saved, a few dollars saved. And she sent the brother home to Ireland. This is your uncle now? My uncle, yeah, that was in America. And um, he came home here and he went up to his father. father, My grandfather, the two of them came down here and bought this place. With the money your mum sent home? Yes. And it was the economic depression here at that time too. You get a spring and a half at that time for three pounds. And because she could see this depression outside, all these lads working. And if, if my father lost a job, he'd be out there with him. So she saw all these people, all these banks going to the wall, and she thought the next thing is he all could the, lose his all job. All the banks closed up just like that. And where did she have her money then? Well, she, she had it in the bank, but she had some at home as well, you see. As, actually, she had, she had uh, an account for, for my brother, and they had a small account as well. But that was gone. Only got 10 cents in the dollar. And that time, you see, a couple of hundred dollars to buy a lot here. So she was clever now that she kept the money, wasn't she? She was. But you could have, seen as the McGinleys didn't lose their money, you could have stayed there and still... You could. You could, but I mean, uh, that's the chance to took. And looking back on it now, I say it was the right, the, the right chance. My mother wasn't able to continue on the public house, so when he died, she brought us to Ireland. And then, do you remember leaving Philadelphia, having to say goodbye to people or anything like that? Uh, we didn't say goodbye too much. We just got into the New York and got onto the liner there. And I remember getting a little, a little cart you could pull with a four-wheel cart, and I had to leave that home, and I didn't like that at all, like... I couldn't take that with us. <laughs> yeah, you but couldn't take it back to Ireland. No, yeah, she wouldn't have. How could you take it back? Like, yeah, that was out of the question. Did you not bring furniture and stuff home? No, no, no furniture. Oh. No, I remember going into the boat. Uh, we had to go into South Boston and the pier, and it was a great experience. Like you were, you were excited about getting on this big boat, no, <laughs> and we we're going to Cove. It was the Cunard liner and oh. all the. The crew were, uh, and all the staff and the stewards and all were English. There was a, a little English boy there, you know, and, and this fellow got on to me, you see, and they were all taking his part, you see. So anyway, they started telling me to fight, <laughs> to fight this fellow. And uh, we fair fought and I beat him. <laughs> And that was the end of it. That must have been exciting going on a big ship, was it? It was, all right, yes. Mm. Yeah. Was your mum nervous about it or was she just was she a very practical sort of a woman or what sort of a woman was she? She was a very quiet woman. 
I don't know whether she was happy or not. She was very withdrawn, you know, when I think back on it, you know. I remember whenever we were coming near Ireland, I got up to see it. I was on a gog to see Ireland. And I got up in the early hours of the morning and I could see the hills of Kerry passing by, mm. you know. And um, it was a great thrill for me. Where did you land? Did you land in, in, in Queenstown? Which was... It was Queenstown then. Oh, right. A cove now. What was it like coming home? Do you remember the first day coming home? I do. Yeah. What was that like? I thought it was a great experience. I was, like, yeah. I was delighted. Delighted with it. I went to school, started off with Mrs. Kinsler, and then I went to Miss Redmond's class, and then I went to the mistress's class, and then the master's class. And that time, you see, the master slapped you and the mistress slapped you. But uh, I, I couldn't understand it. There was heavy slapping going on. And when you when you came home, did you have an American accent? Well, I don't know that, no. <laughs> did you get any slagging from the kids here at all? No, I never got any slagging. No. Well, in Claire Morris, the, the youngsters uh, kind of mimicked me all right. Did they? They did. But that didn't last long. I, I suppose I assimilated the uh, accent then. Just after you came home, the First World War started. Uh, yes, uh, I remember uh, going down Dominic Street in Galway and I saw placards for newspapers and um, Archduke Ferdinand shot in Sarajevo and that was the start of the, the World War. Yeah. Mm. And were you worried or did you think you wouldn't be drawn into it? Or? I weren't worried, I think. <laughs> We lived out in Rock Barton in Galway and uh, the house that we lived in was owned by Willie Joyce's, you remember Lord Ha Ha? Uh, his father was from Westport but his mother was English and um, Willie Joyce took after his mother's side and was very pro-British <laughs> and I, I remember one time we used to play together in Rock Barton and um, this time we were discussing the merits of the American Navy and the British Navy, and uh, I was sticking up for the American Navy. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Willie Joyce uh, drew out and kicked me on the shin. <laughs> you see, the trouble started then, very got very hot, and all the RIC were brought into Galway, you know, and, and their children were brought in and Willie Joyce organised a group of the RIC men's children and um, I remember once in Dominic Street in Galway I was looking in the window and uh, he came up to me and he had all these youngsters with him and he said to me if anything happens any of my men <laughs> your house will go up he did not he did yes like. yes I didn't know the meaning of being bored because I had plenty to do. I was working on the farm milking cows and grinding turnips, feeding pigs and 
I worked for my brother in the village. Doing what? He was in the undertaking business. I was driving the horse. I often waited in the bar at night. You were, you were serving behind the counter? Serving behind the counter. Oh, was he paying you well? How much do you think now you're getting a week? I'm just trying to work it out. You were doing three jobs. You were farming. And then you'd have to clean up, wash your hands and everything, and get into the black clothes yeah, for the oh, hearse. I, I was, I, oh, and then yeah. you'd have to get out of those clothes and go into the pub. There was a little house. Uh, we used to call it the coffin house. We used to make the coffins in it. We showed pictures as well. Did you? I did. And we went to we went to Camolan and we went to Ballamorn and went to Blackwater, and <laughs> I had to be at that too. And you had a mobile projector, did yeah, you? A mobile projector and a mobile. There was no electricity here at that time. We had a little Jap engine. And what kind of pictures did you show? Well, we had pictures up here, and there was fourpence, eightpence, and one and threepence to get into it. Where would the one and threepence get you? Up in the balcony, the little oh. balcony. Well, that was, that was the, and the people that we packed out that time. And there, there was people come walk from Blackwater to the pictures. And I remember there was a fellow up here, Tom Quincy. He worked with Warrens of Alaran. And the cowboy fell in me, see. And he says, look out, look out, there's a lad behind you. <laughs> Gets really excited at the pictures. Shouting out. Shouting out. Yeah, that's right. He used to go to the dances then. The uh, car load going, if there was anyone going, he used to drive the hackney car as well. You know? That's five jobs you're after telling me you had now. Yes. I was 17 when I went to university. I had a craft for engineering, I suppose. I don't think I'd have been an engineer if I didn't win the scholarship. Mm. There was a vacancy in Mayo County Council. I had to go around and interview councillors to put forward my candidature. And did you have to let on that you were of any particular political persuasion when you were going around? No, I didn't, no. But it was coming again. They were in the majority in Mayo. They adopted me and they they elected me. And were you coming again yourself? I wasn't, no. I, I took a pride in having the my roads in tip-top form. I remember the county engineer. He believed in doing everything cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I believed in having a good foundation. And, uh, and I, I put foundations under all the roads that I did. And he left me at... Both Ned and Tom returned to the States when they were in their 20s. One for a holiday and want to work. In 1930, I went to see my brother over in New York. An awful brash city, you know. Mm. The traffic was so intense and the crowds were on the street and uh, I was glad to get back. Yes, I was. I was was working heavy construction. That was tough work, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Was it not? Well, I I, I often worked in buildings 10 storey high and uh, I worked... And four inch steel with a 16 plank on my shoulder. You know, I didn't think it, it didn't have to look down, you see, right? The same as working on it. What about if a big wind came along? Well, yeah, allowed for that. That's a fact. Did you I, ever get a fright? Well, I was working in, in the Kearney Hospital in Boston, and there was a fellow from Cork, and his name was Timmy Harnady. And he was up probably six stories on the scaffolding. And he hung on to the scaffolding. And we couldn't get his arms, we had two of us had to go up after him. And we had to go into the hospital and get him to open the window 
and let him into the window. He thought he would never get down. He just got a, a afraid. He got a, whatever happened. He got a, and he was after going up there several times, but this time he he hung on to the the staging. And he spooked himself. Yeah, and we like to never get his arms apart to get him into and help him into the window. Hmm. That's happened. And I remember another fella from Clare. He used to hold with us. Quitting time. And when over there, when the, the quitting time comes, everyone wants to go home right away. And what in the plank, see the planks hit three stations and one was pulled off and that meant when he walked longer, down he goes. Killed. So the plank didn't go all the way across no, between the, the two way. bits yeah. of steel. Yeah. Down he went got killed. The bricklayers used to go to work with a white shirt and tie on. No. And they'd have the cement down there. Lift up that now, too low. Get the labour lifted up, ready it up. And eventually they started putting up steel buildings with glass fronts on it. The bricklayers' job was getting scarcer. Did you ever see bricklayers doing that? Of course they did. I say, we put up a building in South Boston for the Aspen, and a four-storey building. And there were brick, bricklayers with white shirts in that? We could have 20 or 30 bricklayers on one wall, and they'd have that much wall to do. Which is what, about four foot? Yeah, and another bricklayer take over them. They had a good bricklayer on each end, you see, and they pull a line along. And you see that wall walking up, walking up. And we had two lads from Kerry come on the job. Jimmy Gaines and Johnny Cronin. And they had one sh- long-handled shovel on the job. And there used to be a rush for this one-handled <laughs> shovel. <laughs> Only short-handled shovels over there. <laughs> so I, I used to give the tumor right down to the, to, the, to the subway. What's that big york up there? Who was the drive-in there? This? He was, I don't know if you've ever seen the drive-in there. Only on the telly, you haven't. Massive place. You could put a thousand cars in it. No, you drive up at this little mound and the car be sitting up like that and you open the window and take the, put the speaker on the window. Or if it was in the winter, you could put the heater on it as well. Heater on. Right. And look at the picture, a massive pic. There was a screen there, probably 60 foot high and 40 foot wide. I said, that's... Uh, we're looking at the pictures, Jimmy. Cheers, he says. What do you... Do you believe? They have everything here they don't want. <laughs> <laughs> So Tom stayed in Mayo working as an engineer. He married Annie from Westport and they had seven children. Ned got married in Boston to Mary from New Ross. They were to have eight children. But Ned's story was to unfold in some ways just like his father's before him. i tell you what happened. We went to the dance up in Mass Ave and I come home Monday night from work and Mary says to me, I booked the flight home with the Kerry footballers. The Kerry footballers hired a plane, the whole plane, and we got over a lot cheaper than the other way. And uh, when I came home, my father one day, and he asked me to stay at home, take over the farm, and if you don't come home, he says, I'll have to sell the farm. So I had my own house over there, my own car, and no, jobs were no bother to me. And what did you say to him? Well, I had to put it to Mary. So we come to the conclusion 
When I came home that Monday night, I had no idea coming home here to live, which was a quick decision, like, isn't it? So we said we had to go back and sell. What was the thinking behind it? What was Mary saying and what were you saying? Well, I always said that when Mary used to get on to me, what do you come home for? Well, Mary says, you made a decision. You, you, you booked the flight home. I didn't book it. <laughs> so I had a... <laughs> Thank you.